This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists. From oh, oh, oh the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 oh no! Oh, oh, no. Right Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor on the deep throw! Throws it back to Oladipo. Stevenson behind, drives inside! And the foul! Lance Stevenson! And a chance for a three-point play. He just headbutted the Stanton. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome back to a special edition episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook, and not sitting next to me as always because one of us is not here, but Jake Light is here with me here today. Eric Hawk could not make it due to, you know, some other obligations, but Jake... Thanks for, uh, you know, being my right-hand man today. Yeah, I'm super pumped. Um, got some questions. I know some fans, uh, they're a little perturbed right now after the last game. Uh, we played against Minnesota on Monday. Obviously, we get a, a game tonight here in about an hour, but wanted to see what the fans thought about how everything's going. And um, I think me and you are a little more at ease than some of the other fans, but uh I'm ready to get after it, see what some of you guys think. Yep, so we've uh, introduced a new hotline for the podcast. If you want to give us a call anytime, you can call the hotline and leave us a message. We recommend you keep it around 30, 45 seconds, nothing too long. But if you do want to call that, you can call the number at 765-416-3170. So you can call that number anytime. It'll ring a couple of times, and then my beautiful voice will show up. And you can say just about anything you want about the Pacers or NBA, and we'll get to it, you know, at some point during, if we think it's, uh, you know, worthy to discuss. But actually, everybody who's left us a message thus far, we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to get into that now. Let's go. I'm ready to we'll go. dive into that. First one coming up here next. Hey, this is Eric, uh, Twitter handle derived through. Um, and I was just wondering if y'all thought that Nate McMillan should go, or if he ain't it, or if he is it, or if everyone's just kind of overreacting uh, this early in the season. All right, well, Eric's certainly getting us off to a bang there, asking about Nate McMillan. Uh, should he go? Well, uh, that's not really in the cards because he just signed an extension, so that's not happening anytime soon, but why don't you go ahead and give your thoughts? Yeah, um, obviously he's not going to go, um, as in get fired. Um, I do think it's only four games in. Uh, I want to see him tighten up the rotation a little bit. I think it points he leaves Miles out too long. If you if we believe that Miles is going to be the player uh, that we just signed him to be, then we got to give him opportunities to play. I think the most minutes he's played so far is like 28 or something like that. Um, I'd like to see you know more Sabonis and Miles Turner in the game at the same time. And I'm a little iffy on the point guard play. I think at points we we go with 
Collison when we should be going with Kojo. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it is four games in. Let's give this guy a chance to figure out, um, you know, what the best unit on the floor is going to be on a given night. Um, re- remember, I mean, these guys are playing with each other. We have Dougie, Dougie McBuckets, uh, O'Quinn's playing now, and obviously Tyreek. They're not used to playing with each other. And on the flip side, Nate's not used to coaching them. And so it's going to take a little while. Remember, we were 19-19 and 19 after 38 games last year. Um, let's see where we're at. Yeah, and by no means is Nate McMillan a sexy coaching name. You're not going to – I mean, I wasn't excited when he got hired, and I think he's done a pretty good job so far. But then you got to think on the flip side, what are you going to get right now? There's – I mean – even if it was the let's say it's the offseason, what are you going to get right now? Who's going to be an improvement over Nate McMillan? And I just can't think of anybody that comes to the top of my head. He does frustrate me with you know his rotations at points during the game. You don't really understand why he keeps guys out for so long, especially when the other team's going on that big run like the Timberwolves did. But um, that's just something like you said. He's just we're four games into the season. He's figuring out the rotations. And it's going to take time, guys. Got to be patient. Definitely not calling for a guy's head after four games, that's and for sure. the best part about Nate McMillan, when you get mad, you can just call him McMuffin. Yeah, that's so what we call, call him. him we call him McMuffin. And then, if you get mad at him, just call him McMuffin. Kind of like uh, on Super Bad when that one... me when she's mad at me. Yeah, that's true. Better than what... The, or same, same name that that guy called McLovin on Super Bad. He called him McMuffin. And also, you know, after the breakfast sandwich. All right, I'm getting offhand. Let's go to our next... Next call. Here we go. This is Cassius Kelly Smalley. Two things I would like to see the Pacers do more of or improve on. I would like to see Turner get more of a post game, as in uh, be able to get his position better, get stronger, and be able to actually take advantages, take advantage of mismatches and go all the way to the post. And I would like to see more minutes with Tariq Evans with uh, Oladipo, maybe start him, move uh, Bogdanovich to the four, put him at the three with Darren and uh, Oladipo, and that's about it. Yeah, Cash, I think that's a great point with Miles Turner. Um, That's kind of the big thing heading into the season, though. We had major question marks about whether or not Miles made the jumps necessary to be a force in the paint. Um, To this point, I I see, you know, some of it paying off, but obviously he's not that big physical threat that we really need him to be if he's going to live up to that contract. Um, I would say I want to give him a few more games. I know we keep uh, keep preaching patience, but uh, let's see what he got, uh, what he has going on against some of these smaller teams. I think like tonight against... uh, Jakob Pertl, um, that's a great matchup for him. If he doesn't do it tonight, I start to worry a little bit. Um, but, you know, Miles has to live up to the hype. I think he's, you know, he's put time into his body. You can see the difference. Let's see if he can physically do it on the court over, you know, the next, like, 10 to 15 games. If he's not doing it then, then I have some major question marks. Chris, what do you think about Miles? Um, I mean, obviously, he's done, I think, other things on the court right now that don't show up on the stat sheet. Um, defensively, I think he's doing it. First game, he had four blocks, so he played pretty well first game defensively. Um, but, yeah, you want to see, obviously, those statistics go up, but I think that'll just come with time. I mean, we also have to remember, we keep preaching patience. The guy is 22 years old, um, so, yeah, you want to see those results a lot more right now, but... 
remember with Victor Oladipo how many years it took him to finally develop into who he is. So, uh, And also, Miles just has to develop that killer instinct as well. You can do all of those off-season regiments, and you can you know, do all this yoga, but until he develops kind of that killer instinct, and it's, I mean, not all, not all people have it. I, I wouldn't have it if I was playing in the NBA. So uh, another point was he had the rotations. He wanted to see Tyreek play with Oladipo more. I would agree with that, although uh, Bogdanovich, the four, I would not want to see him on the defensive end guarding a power forward. That would be very scary. You probably have to. You'd probably have to play him at the stretch four against the team that's also. Yeah, you have to play him. Four. Yeah, you can't put him out there against like Todd Gibson. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but I thought he did make a good point. I'm not a big Darren Collison fan, but I do think uh, Tyreek and Oladipo will play down the stretch together. Um, you got to remember, in our first four games, I wouldn't necessarily say any of them were super close. Um, so we don't really know what that lineup will look like uh, down the stretch. I think Cash is on to something with that. I would venture to say that they will be playing together in crunch time. Now, Tyreek was really bad in Minnesota. Absolutely. He was terrible. Um, but I like the points there from Cash. Definitely going to be interesting to see how the rotation uh, you know, comes together down the stretch. Agreeing with Chris here, um, you want players that have dog in them. Like, you don't want to have to coach up players, you know, to want the ball in certain situations, and Miles has to get that if he's going to live up to the contract. Yep, so let's move on to our next question. I've got a question for the podcast. Yeah, my name's Brandon. Um, it's only been two games on the road, granted, but um, our shot percentage has been abysmal on the road. Is this something that we should be worried about, or is this something that we as Pacers should, uh, Pacer fans, rather, uh, should just sit back and relax as they figure out uh, their lineups. Uh, thanks again. Bye. Uh, thank you very much for the question, Brandon. Uh, yeah, kind of you, I mean, you kind of made that point while you uh, were asking the question. Granted, it's only been four games and, or excuse me, and four games so far and two on the road. Uh, that kind of was your point right there. It's played two games. I mean, look at back at history and you don't grade anything off of, you know, what's, what's two divided by 82. I don't know what it is off the top of my 41? head. 41? No, percentage-wise. Oh, percentage-wise. <laughs> so I don't know what yeah. it is off the top of my head, but it's not very high. It's not It's not a very high percentage. So you don't – if you see something at that – I mean, I'm kind of just getting off a of track here, but it's been two games on the road. No, I don't base what they've done so far off so, that. Yes, you're on the road. You're going to so shoot – about or Sorry, about 5% of the away 5%. Games right now. So you don't – I mean, on the road, you're going to shoot a lot worse. It, it is what it is. I mean, look at – I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not a stats wizard or stats guy, but I bet that if you compare home shooting percentage with away shooting percentage, home shooting percentage has got to just skyrocket unless you're like the Golden State Warriors. Like you're going to shoot better at home. You got your home crowd behind you. Uh, you know, historically the Pacers have been average on the road or they've been below average last year. I think they won more games on the road. Uh, they were over 500 on the road, so it's going to play itself out. The shooting's going to come. We just got, you know, we've been saying it 500 times, but patience. Yeah, patience for sure. Um, yeah, quick math there. I think we played 41 away games. We only played two. That comes out to about 5%. Of course, Chris makes the great point. You're going to play. You're going to shoot better where you're more comfortable. 
every team in the league is more comfortable at home, unless you're Mark Markel Fultz, and then you're not comfortable shooting anywhere. Um, but um, yeah, I think we just give it some time. P- this is what people forget about last year's Pacer team. Hawk brought this up. I think it was either the podcast before last or last podcast that the Pacers shot at a historic rate from 15 feet last year, um, around the 15 foot mark, I should say. And it was kind of an aberration. And now all of a sudden this year, we're not hitting those shots. We're still taking them and not hitting them. Um, and we're not a great three point shooting team. We've had some stretches. Of course, Doug McDermott can really shoot. We know, uh, bogey can shoot, but we're not shooting it particularly well right now. Um, and like I said, it's a huge advantage playing at home in Indiana. I mean, everyone talks about how, you know, on a Tuesday night, that place is full, yelling, screaming, a bunch of, you know, loyal, smart fans. I think we just need to pump the brakes a little bit, um, which you mentioned, Brandon, you know, am I jumping ahead? I do think you're jumping a little far ahead, but... At the same time, you make some valid points. We're just not shooting well on the road, and if it continues, it's obviously going to be a major issue as we're rolling into San Antonio here in about an hour. Yeah, and I shouldn't give another Pacers podcast a plug here, but I saw a guy who does, his name's Tyler Smith. He's on another Pacers podcast. I don't remember the name of it exactly, but he had tweeted out that on his podcast, he said that he wouldn't be surprised the first part of the season to see the Pacers go 500. And I ended up replying to that tweet, and I completely agree 100%, especially if you look at, like, the first month. The Pacers, I think their first, like, 23 games, they play 13 of them on the road. So there's going to be plenty of road games here to start the season. And I, and as I mentioned in the tweet to, in reply to what he said, I would not be shocked at all if at the end of November this team is at 500. I would not be shocked at all. If you just look at the matchups we got, uh, playing more road games than home games. And then also, but if you look ahead to, to December – it looks real nice. December yeah. looks nice. And guess what, guys? We don't want the Pacers to play their best basketball of the season in November. It's not even November. It's October. Yeah. For God's sakes. Let's just pump the brakes a little bit. If this is you know, the worst stretch we're going to have, I want it to happen right now. Learn from it. People, guys are meshing. They're still enjoying each other on the court. There's not a lot of selfish play. They're not arguing and bickering. Relax. I think we'll be fine. Next question. Hey, uh, first of all, big fans. Um, you know, let's try to listen to all of them I can. My name is Steven Rowe. I live in Florida. I run the, uh, I had the, uh, Steven slash Edmert summer stand Twitter, but now I changed it up a little bit to the, what the record's going to be. Um, I just had a quick question. You know, most people tend to overreact for the first few games of the season. I mean, it really takes about two, anywhere between two and four weeks for the new members to really gel, uh, to be a cohesive unit. But what is one thing that you've noticed through the first four games that might be an area of concern to the team going forward? First off, Stephen, thank you for listening all the way from Florida. It means a lot to us. Uh, we put a lot of time into this, and we appreciate you uh, listening to us. So um, for me, this is the easiest thing. Um, the, the one thing that I think will be a major, major problem going forward is Darren Collison's ability to play on the defensive end. Um, I've been advocating for at least two to three years that the Pacers find a a point guard that doesn't necessarily have to control the ball on the offensive end. He can knock down shots, but he's got to be a really good defender. Now, last year, Collison proved that he could knock down the shots when they were, you know, there for the taking. Um, he, I think he led the league in three-point percentage. Um, this year, he's not hitting those shots. Again, only four games in. But if you watch the games, teams are just picking and rolling 
against Darren Collison, picking Darren Collison, and he's trying to fight over the top, and it's not working. He's not physical. He's not pushing up into the dribbler. He's kind of trying to go around. It's causing wide-open threes. Um, It's causing people to over-rotate on defense. And, you know, the average fan doesn't see that, you know, in other cities, but Indiana has some smart fans. And if we're going to go to that next level, Either A, Darren Collison is going to have to do a better job against the pick and roll because Miles isn't great at it either because sometimes he sticks out way too long. Again, that's affecting other people. You don't understand. You help the helper. You help the helper in the pick and roll game. So as Miles is helping over the top on Darren, then the other guys have to come over and help Miles. And in the NBA, guys are going to knock down wide open shots. And so he's going to have to be better at that or else, you know, they're going to have to go get a guy at the deadline. Um, I've already advocated them looking into a guy like Patrick Beverly, who can shoot a wide open shot and he's just going to be a dog on the defensive end. Um, I like DC. I think there's a place for him in the league, but with the way our roster is tailored with Victor Oladipo obviously being the guy we want with the ball. Um, I just don't think we need a point guard like DC. We need somebody that can really shut down on the defensive end. You put it there ever so eloquently. So, that, I mean, I'm very, very that's pretty much guy. what I got. So, uh, thanks, Stephen, for calling in. Let's move on to our next question. Hey, guys. My name is Jared. I'm he- here from Indianapolis. So, the question that I had is what do you guys think about uh, – Nate McMillan using Boyan and and Dougie McBuckets in the lineup around the same time. Anyway, I love the show. You guys have a good one. Thank you very much for tuning in, Jared, and thanks for the question. Um, so we kind of discussed this a little bit earlier. My, you know, obviously you want to in today's NBA or with the small ball and you know the shooting, the three point shooting and all that. You would love to load your. Uh, your your five unit five man unit which which anybody can shoot so and especially with guys like Bogdanovich and Doug McDermott you would love to put those two guys in the same lineup my biggest concern and I think you know you you all can see it I can see it everybody knows it is defensively that's just going to be a complete it's it, it just it's just yeah I couldn't even think of a good word for it. it's just it's going to be it's going to be god awful I mean, I remember seeing in the Bucks game, McDermott got switched or something happened. And he ended up guarding Giannis, and it was—I mean, just things like that will happen, and it—it's it, just—it's not going to be pretty. Um, and those two, they have to be knocking down threes. So if Bogdanovich or McDermott aren't knocking down threes, they're not not really making much of an impact on the game, or at least knocking down shots. They're—they're they're not going to provide. I know Bogdanovich has had his moments on the defensive end. But if those two aren't making shots, what else are they going to do? Yeah, they can't create offense. They can't do things like that. They have to make. They have to knock down their shots. And when their shots not falling, unfortunately, they're not going to be give, you know, much of an impact on the game. Theoretically, you would love to be able to put both of those guys on the wing, lower part of the baseline area, and just create opportunities for them with Victor. Here's the problem: as you've already hit on defensively, it's going to be a nightmare. Um, I'm trying to think what other two guys I would have playing with those guys at the same time. I guess the best lineup I could see is probably Sabonis at the five, Oladipo and Tyreek, just trying to make plays, trying to get get those guys the ball again. You know, Tyreek goes through uh, some spells where he's not really looking to uh, 
defend too well either at this point. But, you know, I just don't see that being feasible for long stretches. Uh, now, certainly in certain situations in the quarter, last possession of a game, you want to spread the floor out. That's cool. That's nice. But if you're going to play those two at the same time, neither one's really going to create their own shot. Um, unless there's a major defensive lapse. So you, you need guys to make plays with the ball. So that's why I would have Oladipo and Tyreek with those guys. And then you don't want Turner to float out there. You need a guy in the post just in case if you can dump it down to him and then he can kick it back out. So that would be Sabonis. I don't really see. You can't play DC with that group because defensively, my God, that would be the worst. And you can't have Miles and Sabonis out there. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a lose-lose situation if you play those guys out there at the same time for more than maybe they would two have or three to literally just be lighting it up yeah just I mean, to keep pace with teams listen as well. i mean when the ball's going through the rim you know hitting the bottom of the net everything looks great if it's not that's yeah. going to be one of the worst lineups in the nba i'm yeah. sorry i hate to say it but that's what it is because they're not going to be able to defend at a high rate well and that's why we got mcdermott as well it's like what well, kent sterling had mentioned you want a guy like that you know, they can put a guy like that in their lineup at any point. Not, I mean, yeah, if they could play together, great, but at least you got a guy like McDermott or Bogdanovich that can, you know, knock down shots when you need him to, hopefully. Yeah. I, 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 like you said, I think they've actually done that a couple times already, but I don't think the games have been close enough. Maybe the Minnesota game, but the other games just seem like they were out of hand early, uh, one way or the other. I just don't foresee that being a, big uh, big time duo being used at no. the same time all right let's move on to our next question hi this is Caden Sullivan I have a question for you guys or Miles Turner just signed that big contract and I was want to know if you guys are confident in the contract or do you guys think it's gonna be another Roy Hibbert or we signed to a big deal and he just steadily declined thank you very much Caden for that phone call obviously this is probably um, the biggest thing on Pacer fans' minds right now, is Miles Turner going to live up to it, or is he going to, uh, for lack of a better term, Roy Hibbert it? Um, I would venture to say, I think I think Miles will be better than Roy Hibbert, obviously, I, I, fans got to hope, but I think the main difference between Roy Hibbert and Miles Turner, Roy Hibbert signed that contract and he already played like an old man. He already moved like an old man, and it was just a very bad spot for the Pacers, uh, um, they could, I mean, in order to compete, they had to sign him to that deal knowing that the last two to three years probably weren't going to be great. It ended up none of the years were great. Um, so I actually, I do trust Miles a lot more than I trusted Roy Hibbert, mostly because Miles is way more athletic. He can do way more, step out, shoot the three. Um, he's way more active. Um, and if he could just, if he could just raise his rebound numbers to like even two more a game, which isn't really a lot with the new modern NBA, the way people just go down and chuck him up. I think you're going to find that Miles will definitely live up to the hype way more than Hibbert ever thought about living up to the hype. I just, I don't think it's very close. Um, again, these first couple games, probably, you know, not the best example of that, but I do think you're going to see him figure it out sooner rather than later. Yeah. I'm the contract. I'm not mad at it all. I think the Pacers got a good deal out of it. Um, when you compare what other guys are making comparable to miles or other contracts for, you know, these bench players, how much they're making, and you got a guy who's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully your franchise, one of your franchise cornerstones. He's going to be your big man for the future. I know you got Sabonis as well, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, when you compare what Miles is making to other guys in the NBA, 
you just I mean, did they overpay for what he's done for right now? Sure, yeah, they did. But I think that they didn't overpay by much. And I also think that, you know, restricted free agents typically get way overpaid. So had they waited, as I've said before, they would have ended up probably paying, spending more money if they were going to match whatever deal he got. So yeah, Miles is going to have to perform better on the court for us to know, justify his contract and, you know, be pleased with it. Um, but, you know, people looked at Victor Oladipo two years ago and saw he was making over $20 million a year. And even myself included, and they were like, wow, that contract is ridiculous. So I don't think it's going to be like Hibbert. You know, Hibbert did have a couple good seasons here uh, in that contract. And as Jake had just said, I mean, Miles is completely different from Hibbert. The NBA just pretty much shunned Hibbert out of the game. Yeah, he had... He had those, you know, he he didn't ha- he lost his confidence there in the last couple of seasons. But he could he couldn't get up and down with the court with these guys nowadays. He couldn't shoot the ball. He couldn't play. And Miles can do all of that. So I I don't think it's really even that close. Now I again um, easy to have questions after the first four games. So Cade and I completely understand why you'd have that question. I'm going to be interested. Um, to get some fan feedback, hopefully we can ask some questions and have fans call in and give their responses. Yeah. Um, cause I think that would be really cool. Cause we obviously have fans that pay attention to us and pay attention to the NBA. But I think the overwhelming majority of people would say, even if miles doesn't live up to the hype, 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 he will still end up earning and deserving that money way more so than Hibbert thought about, you know, earning the money. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and move on to our last question. What's up, guys, at the Born and Ready to Pod podcast? It's the one and only Dewan. That's right, it's me. Quick question for you guys. I need help being topped off this Nate McMillan ledge. What is it that Nate can do, or what has to happen for Nate to come dig uh, a little deeper in the bench when we have nights like last night? against the Timberwolves, where Derrick Rose, a guy with no ACLs, is lighting us up in the fourth quarter in a very manageable game that we can win. And we're not getting anything from our bench players like Tariq. There wasn't much from Sabonis, uh, considering he came off the injury. What can Nate do, or what has to happen for Nate to dig a little deeper in the bench, because I, I, I feel like a guy like Aaron Holiday or maybe even Sumner would have been able to give us a little spark or something kind of defensively, a little defensive effort, um, just, just something. When you see your normal rotation guys aren't getting it done, what has to happen for him to dig a little deeper? Is it injury? Or is it just like a trade or something? I don't know. I'm not ready to blow up anything. I don't want to overreact. But I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on it. Thank you, guys. And it's been a pleasure. Stay born ready. Thanks to Dewan for calling in. I knew when we posted the number online, he would be one of the very first people to call. He wasn't the very first person to call. He was second. But I knew he would be up there. And I expect Dewan to just use that, you know, whatever Dewan, whenever you want to just air your frustrations out or you want to complain, Feel free to call the number and just let it all out. I love my guy, Dewan. Um, and he gives us a great phone call because I was screaming and yelling the same thing, Dewan, in the fourth quarter. Like, at what point? Okay, so you're up one going into the fourth quarter. When you go down five, you call a timeout. You know, when you go down seven, 
you start to get nervous. But when you get all the way down 13 and then try to bring your starters in, it's just it's it's too it's just way too long. That's a game you start out winning that road game against a pretty tough opponent away. What a way to start the week. He waited way too long. I will absolutely not defend Nate McMillan there. What I will defend Nate McMillan is, I mean, what I will defend him on is, this early in the season, you have to realize that he is doing literally what he thinks is best for the team in his mind. He is not willing to concede that he's wrong about anything at this point. I'm speaking as a coach here. You know, as I go into the season with my high school team, I'm going to put the best five guys out there, you know, and it's not until they really just stink up the bed that I make changes because I think those are my best five guys. Okay. Now, Nate thought I have the best bench in the league, which at that time was completely accurate. And you know what? He went with them and he stuck with them way too long. I would venture to guess if you ask Nate today, he would say that he waited too long because he thought that these guys were the best option at the time. He felt like they could get them you know, to a point where they could stay in the game and then you bring the starters in. What we learned from this is when the second unit is on, my God, the ball's going in. Dougie McDermott, boom, boom, boom. Tyreek slashing and dashing. Well, guess what? None of that was happening on Monday. Mm-hmm. Not None of that. And so at some point as the coach, you have to say, you know what? Boom, I pull the plug on this situation, and let's go with the starters early, try to win the game. Maybe the starters come in and just completely crap the bed. And you know what you do? You clap your hands and you say, we lost with the best guys we had, and it just wasn't in it. What do you think, Chris? I know you've coached basketball before. You know what I'm saying. You get something in your head, and you just stick with it. And sometimes it's hard to realize when you're wrong, and it's hard to admit until after. I think Nate would say that he was wrong on Monday. What do you think? Uh, I would agree there, but I also think in the first half, even as a fan watching the game, you could easily see that Tyreek Evans, not saying that he wasn't out there trying, but you could tell that it wasn't right. Yeah. You could tell things were not right with Tyreek that night. And uh, I mean, I don't think he scored his first basket till the second half. And that's just not normal for a guy who typically averages, averages between 15 to 20 points a game. So you could tell he was having an off night. So the thing that just kind of bothered me was, you know, sticking with that lineup a little bit too long when you have a day off i can understand if you have a game the next very next day you got to travel a couple states away you have a back-to-back but you got it you got a night off to rest and i understand these players they're still getting conditioned it's the early part of the season but i mean you got to go back to you got to bring at least Vic and with I don't know who was on on the floor when they made that run, but you at least got to put Vic in earlier. I think I remember he called so Nate called the timeout, and then I think he called timeout at five. No, he called it earlier than that. But then he subbed in, so he didn't make any substitutions. He went back out there with the bench, and then right when they went back out there, he sent Vic in. So he got him an extra like what. 30, 45 seconds. I meant like a break. five point deficit. It was somewhere. Oh, uh, yeah, not five. Yeah. Now, Mark, my God. No, the starters were in by Yeah, that but point. He, so he, he called the timeout. They were down by a little bit more than that okay. point, I think. So he calls the timeout, doesn't send any substitutions in, and then as soon as the timeout's over, you know, they're bringing the ball up. He looks at Victor and tells him to check in the game. So can you tell me that the extra 45 seconds was, you know, was that worth the rest? No. It was not, um, and and he, that's not the first time he's done it. He does that a lot. I just felt like that was a game. If you were if you were hell bent on keeping the starters fresh, 
and you see that you're not getting anything out of our guard play, that was a great opportunity to see what Mr. Edmund Sumner could bring to the table. As Dewan was saying there too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like like you mentioned, you know, we joked around Edmund Sumner winning MVP, yada yada yada. The dude can play. Um, I do think at some point you got to throw him in. I mean, he's going to play eventually because of injuries. You got to remember he's on a two way contract. He only has a certain amount of days in the NBA this year. Yeah, I mean. We're wasting him, and we got to see if this kid can play. Because if he even plays at 80% of what he showed the preseason, that's a guy that can score and be dynamic on both ends of the floor. Yeah, absolutely, and I completely agree. I mean, it might have been tough for him in that situation, um, you know, being that close to just bring a guy in off the bench in the fourth quarter. That's maybe a move that I make in the first half and see how it plays out. In the fourth quarter, I think as a coach, that's probably more of a tough decision to bring in a guy like Sumner who really hasn't played a meaningful minute yet in the the regular season. Right, and I think the one thing I'm interested in, I want Darren Collison to have a day off. Let's just give him a sabbatical day because I want to see what Kojo can do in the starting lineup, and then that would allow Edmund Sumner to jump in on the second unit. I would venture to say that that team and that the, those two lineups, those changes, I think that would be really good for the Pacers. Not saying I want to take Darren out of the mix whatsoever. He's clearly one of our best 10 players. My gosh, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is I think Edmund Sumner needs opportunities, and it's the coach's job to figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah. Is that all you got? That's it. I'm done preaching. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody who called in. So we got this new uh, hotline. Like I said, it's available 24-7. You can call it at any time. Leave a message, comment, question, concern, whatever, Pacers, NBA related. Uh, And, you know, right now we're we're getting less calls so we can talk about a lot more so going in the future if our calls call rates go up we'll pick and choose the best ones that we like but you know if it keeps just staying pretty steady we'll probably you know discuss all of them absolutely and you know what guys i hope when we check these messages tomorrow morning they're all very happy calls as we're getting ready to take on the spurs in san antonio can't think of a better test for us early in the season than this road trip you're going to play one of the greatest nba head coaches a very solid team what an opportunity to bounce back can't wait to hear the calls tomorrow yep feel free during the game after the game give us a call number 765-416-3170 once again that's 765-416-3170 if you forget what it is or don't want to record back it is on our twitter page we've retweeted it like 100 times to try to get the word out there so thanks again for all of the phone calls thanks for tuning in and we will oh pacers prediction tonight pacers win by three Okay, I was gonna I was gonna say Pacers by one. Last second shot by Miles Turner. Call All right, it. call. We'll see it. what happens. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.